T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 12.04 on the show here on KMOX. You can join us. Obviously, you are right here on 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, uh, com slash KMOX 1120. If you want to see the video and obviously hear the programming, uh, you can also get us uh, on the uh, Odyssey app. Mm-hmm. And you can text us, call us, 314-436-7900. A lot of ways you can jump in. You can also find us on Twitter at the show KMOX. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to run through some of the biggest things we've already covered today. And if there's any news that we want to throw into the mix, we can. So obviously, early on, we talked about um, what was the uh, the the uh, we were talking about the story with uh, Dustin Johnson. That's kind of a newsy story with him leaving the PGA Tour. Yeah. He's not alone. A bunch of gol- a bunch of golfers are leaving the PGA Tour to take the big money with the new Saudi-backed tour. Big money. Big. Now here's the thing that I'm going to ask you: Is this is the only reason? I wanna, this is a maybe a one minute thing. Okay. Where are they going to make all of this money back? If you're giving. $125 million oh, to yeah. Dustin Johnson. And you're, well, but again, this is getting to it. Then what's the point? If it's not to make money, then what's the point? Well, I think there's something to be said for prestige. I mean, when you look at Saudi Arabia and the events that they throw, one of the races, I think it was a month or two months ago, I can't keep track of time, but it was a, a big F1 race, right? It was yeah. in Saudi Arabia. There's something to be said for a country, you have the prince, whatever, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, wanting prestigious events and prestigious people in his country participating. So for them... But this stuff won't could, be happening in Saudi Arabia. These tournaments right. are in the in the like United London States. And, They're in London. Yeah. Like the next two events are London and, and Portland. Yep. Does it... Is there... They never will go... I don't know that they never will. I'm sure there will be events. Okay, yes. It but just it's seems like a tour. Like, it, but we, we were hearing all this money, right? Like yeah. $200 million for Phil Mickelson. That's he, a good question. He has not officially resigned from the BGA Tour, but the reports are that he is going to. You know, they offered Tiger Woods close to a billion dollars, according to these reports. Yeah. Where is that all being made back? I mean, it, would, is it, it, would it take years? Because then that's on... By the way, that's on top well, is this, of the purses these, for the events. They'll be televised, Right. I'm assuming. So there has to be a lot of advertising dollars. Maybe that's it. Well, it's advertising. And I really, again, with these countries that are not good faith actors, like Saudi Arabia and in a different way, China, there is a big part of their country and their leaders, whether you have a communist leader or a crown prince, is branding. That's a fair point. branding. Trying to gloss over some of the negative things that people say about you, for sure. Yeah. Another story we had was you guys... Reading the story that was your worst, your own worst nightmares. Mm. Mm. And mine the were. The arrested. Uh, well, yes, and just to clarify, mine were 
mildew, gum disease, and going to prison for a crime I didn't commit. And this happened. And then Ranji's is that in big boats. Yeah, I'm. No, I'm, no. Being in a little boat. Next to a big boat. Next to a if big boat. If you're standing boat. on the shore next to a big boat, you don't care? No, that kind like of. Like on the dock, I mean. I feel intimidated by that, too. But okay. if you're on the big boat. I feel okay on the big boat, sort of. <laughs> he sounds like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little. <laughs> I'm it's sorry, but it's a big boat, Dad. <laughs> I'm afraid of big boats. <laughs> I'm afraid and he of big boats. Lie. He's oh. afraid of big boats and he cannot lie. But here's Amy. the thing. Here's the thing. The best way to offend a captain of a big boat is to call it a boat. They like you to call it a ship. Or a vessel. Or a vessel. I think they like if you say vessel. But there was the story about the man in Arizona who yep. spent 17 days in jail. Because he was traveling, and somebody who looked like him had vaguely. gone into a vaguely looked like him, and this was during the height of the pandemic, and we you know we're still in it, but it was at the time all where masks and everything, yeah, yeah. So he's all masked up, and this person in the video has like a buzz cut, a military style cut, goes into a store, grabs something, doesn't pay for it. They identify this guy as the guy who did it, but it yep. wasn't him. He wasn't ever there. And then there were two warrants issued for him in this county, which he, had he no said idea. he had never, like, I had no idea there were warrants for me. And they had the wrong fella. And this dude had never even been to the county that they were talking about. So he spent 17 days in jail. And to clarify, too, it wasn't like he got off the plane and the cops were waiting for him. A year, as it was exactly 14 months past, he's on vacation with friends in New Mexico on the 4th of July. Uh, the neighbors call the cops because they're a little loud, I guess. And so the cops show up, look at everybody, take their names, and discover that this man has two warrants out for his arrest. Mm. And they arrest him. And as you mentioned, he spent 17 days in jail. And I just have so many questions. Yeah. So don't my tell main, me, Kevin, it can't is, happen to you. No, I, I guess now it can't. I, I told you earlier, I retract my... My mockery of that as a fear, because it obviously has now happened. Um, I did discover, by the way, why the uh, Disney adults is trending. Okay. Like the actual story that started this, because all these other stories exist. I mean, they're all real, like the proposal thing and all that. So I'm going to make this short because it's a long post. But a woman posted on social media somewhere her story. She and her husband got married. Well, they're now a husband. They were fiance, but they were getting married. They had a wedding. And instead of serving food and booze... They paid for a Mickey and a Minnie to be at their wedding for a period of time. And the cost of that meant that they would not be able to afford to provide food and drinks for their guests. Oh. And then this turned into apparently some relatives going on Facebook and complaining about it. And this is this is what started the whole thing. And as far as I'm concerned, simple thing. Number one, it's your wedding. Do what you want. Do yeah. it how you want to. But you should probably tell people that in advance. Oh, they didn't tell them? I don't know. I don't know no if they did or they didn't. But, but I mean, like, if you want to do it, whatever way you want. It's your wedding. You do it how you want to do it. But if there's not going to be food or drink, then you have to tell that. in the, Like, put that in the invitation. Hey, eat before you come because we're not doing that. I think I hate these people. Well, and and the reason yeah. I do is because you're asking people to commit their and they time were, to by come the way, to your they wedding. Were, they were warned. They were told there would not be food uh, or drink. Fine. And most people should have. like, And if they well, would have yeah, had guests who said, I'm not coming. Because of that, fine. Can't be mad at it. Because you want me to show up, bring you a gift, mm -hmm. celebrate your day for you, mm. and you're not even going to give me food? 
How much are Mickey and Minnie charging? It was a lot. They said it cost them almost three thousand dollars. Was this oh. the real Mickey and Minnie? I don't. No. I, I don't know the, the like how you go about that. I, there, I don't think. Like, okay, I, let me just. This is how I view it. If this couple had a regular wedding, and Disney said we'll pay you five thousand dollars to have Mickey and Minnie at your wedding, I would still be like weird. If they it's paid your, you. Yes, it's your wedding. Yes. If Disney offered to pay me $5,000 to have Mickey and Minnie at my wedding, I'd like, no, it's my wedding. I, I would take it. Right. Your wedding should be what you want it to be. Hey, I would I would take Mickey and Minnie showing up. I it's knew, a $5,000 value. I, I might do someone, that too, but I I'll mean, like, you. what the heck? I, well, a lot of people do different types, like destination weddings yeah. or party that's, weddings or. That's just to filter out the riffraff. I'm not paying for it. <laughs> that's what that is. It's not a bad That's point. exactly what that that's is. That's what I would do. I would just pick a really awkward place to get to and go, we got to filter out the riffraff This here. seems like a move to filter out the riffraff too. They're probably thinking, uh, no one's going to come to my wedding because there's no food, no booze, and I'm going to then like have said, you can always, Disney you characters can always all decline. over. You don't have to go. That's a wedding. If you know how a lot of weddings don't want kids, if you wanted kids only, you could say no alcohol, but Mickey and Minnie will be there. Are you a jerk if you say no to your friend's wedding because they're not going to provide any food or beverage or anything, but they're going to have Disney characters there instead? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I think you can do it agree. that way. And we're going to talk to Colonel Jeff McCaws and get oh, an update yeah. on Ukraine coming up next here on the show. All right, you're back in on the show. We are happy to have Colonel Jeff McCausland back with us again today. And we had uh, the Colonel on yesterday to talk about D-Day and we were trying to, we were planning on getting into some of the current events with Ukraine as well. Uh, didn't have the time to do that yesterday, but the Colonel kind enough to join us again today uh, to dive into some of the news there. So what what is the the, the general picture looking like uh, when it comes to Ukraine right now, Colonel? We, we we, I'm seeing stories about some progress that the Russians have made, but I'm also seeing things about how uh, this is still going to set them back 10 years as they go along. How has this changed, would you say, in the last, say, couple of weeks? Well, it's changed. I think it's moved in two directions. One towards basically a stalemate, and the second has become more of an artillery war. Let me expand on that. We know the Russians failed in their early attempts to capture the capital, Kiev, to secure the second largest is Kharkiv, northeastern part of the country. So when that occurred, I think they downsized their objectives and now focusing on controlling the Donbass, this portion of southeastern Ukraine comprised by two provinces, Donetsk and Luhansk. And that's where they've been concentrating their efforts <clears throat> at this particular moment. We've got a lot of heavy fighting going on around Severodonetsk, which is the last major city in Luhansk that is not under a Russian control. Uh, heavy fighting in that city right now. Uh, it seems to be the Russians will take some ground. The Ukrainians will push them back. That's occurred over the last few hours. And how this turns out, I think, will determine to some degree whether the Russians are going to be successful in controlling that Donbass region. But literally, in many ways, the front is kind of stabilized, and they stay that way for some period of time, a 600-mile front now from up in the vicinity of Kharkiv in the northeastern part of the country down to the Sea of Azov and then along a strip of ground that the Russians have secured along the Sea of Azov. And that's why artillery is becoming more important on both sides as the Russians use mass artillery to kind of pulverize targets and then try to gain ground, ground in a, gain ground in kind of a grinding out war, which is what's occurring. Well, and that was going to be my question. As this conflict turns into a war of attrition, does that give Ukraine more hope for fighting off the Russians and that they eventually pull back? Or will this play in favor of Russia, which has more force and resources? Yeah, I think it'll depend on the, 
Ukrainians' ability to maintain the stiff resilience and willpower they've demonstrated on the one hand, and second of all, it will depend on the West's ability to maintain a unity of effort in providing them the military equipment they're going to need now and in the future uh, for that particular effort. And that's not only the provision of military equipment, but a lot of concern now as we provide them more sophisticated military equipment, how quickly can we train to use that equipment so it can rapidly be, if you will, absorbed uh, into their military systems and as a consequence have an impact on the battlefield. On the Russian side, I think more and more uh, they're going to be in a more and more weakening position for two reasons. One, they're taking severe casualties. We believe they may have lost up to 25,000 kill in action and probably twice that many wounded. So roughly one quarter or more of the initial attack force, invasion force they used on 24 February is now combat ineffective. And that's a huge manpower loss for them. And then secondly, even though they've weathered the storm of economic sanctions, I think fairly well for the first hundred days, there's clear evidence that that strain is going to put more and more of an impact on the average Russian citizen, as well as making it more and more difficult for them to recoup those weapon systems they've lost because they depend on a lot of imports of microchips and the like, particularly for sophisticated weaponry. When we're talking about a conflict like this that is drawn out, there's the side of weaponry and forces. But what role will privation play in this, specifically for the Ukrainian people? Privation, did you say? Yes. Well, I mean, we've got at this moment, estimates are somewhere around six million or more. Uh, Ukrainians are refugees outside the country. About 80 to 90 percent of those people are women, elderly, and children. And then you got seven and a half million or more Ukrainians who are displaced people inside Ukraine, which means about one third of the entire population of Ukraine have been pushed out of their homes. This is a dramatic humanitarian disaster. Half of all children in Ukraine are homeless right now. And so the humanitarian disaster for the Ukraine. Uh, is 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 huge, and this has a secondary economic effect on the on the country. Uh, in that, their estimates the GDP of Ukraine will shrink by 45 percent in the coming year, potentially plunging, you know, thousands and thousands of people into poverty. So not only is Ukraine going to need significant military aid to prosecute the war, it's going to need significant Western economic aid to stabilize the economy in light of those particular conditions. Yesterday, um, the President Zelensky visited a, a frontline position and, you know, visited troops and whatnot. When something like that happens, how important is it in terms of morale or in, you know, strategically, whatever it may be, when a, a person of his stature visits a frontline position? No, it's huge. I mean, Napoleon Bonaparte many, many years ago once said the moral is the physical is three is to one. By any calculation, the Russians would outgun the Ukrainians in terms of number of weapons, modern weapons, manpower, etc. But they have not been successful, and I think it's largely been to the morale of the Ukrainian people. And Zelensky has been a key ingredient in raising Ukrainian nationalism, populism, bringing the nation together. Uh, and anyone who watches this war, just examine Mr. Zelensky and examine Mr. Putin, and you ask them, who would you rather follow? I think it's pretty easy for anybody to answer that particular question. It would be Zelensky, the guy who's out there, the guy who's suffering the same deprivation as his population, who is weathering the danger, who's going to the front lines, and 
post moves sitting at the end of a long table, 20 feet. One of his generals looks like a minion or someone who's been called in after school because they got in trouble. Uh, hardly inspiring for that individual, hardly inspiring for the Russian people as a whole. So if we look at the bigger picture here, too, I mean, clearly this is a conflict there, and you mentioned the, the refugees and the impact this is happening, having on the families there, and certainly families in Russia, too, uh, but, you know, they're, they're obviously the aggressors here. But this is also having big effects on the world's food supply. Ukraine Absolutely. provides a lot of grain for the world. So again, how do how do all of the rest of us, the rest of the countries that have worked together on sanctions, for example, work to improve that, or can you? Yeah, it's going to be a difficult proposition. There are estimates that about 20 million tons of grain are held up in Ukrainian ports. We've had reports that the Russians may be looting a lot of that grain in areas they've occupied and maybe trying to sell that after they've, after they've stolen it. Uh, on the international market. But unfortunately, I fear that unless this problem is solved quickly, we're going to see countries think of Yemen, think of Afghanistan, think of Syria, think of Lebanon, uh, that are going to suffer enormous uh, deprivation in food. And we may see starvation in some of those countries. And we'll also potentially see social unrest in countries, particularly in North Africa or, uh, or Africa, that have fragile governance to begin with as they face more and more challenges of foodstuffs, where you're watching the price of wheat is going to increase dramatically. There have been calls by some for NATO to use NATO military force, particularly the Navy, to go into the Black Sea to escort Ukrainian vessels out of those ports so that can be distributed. Quite frankly, at the moment, I doubt very seriously that NATO is going to agree to do that. Furthermore, even if we were able to do that, our challenge is going to be that a significant portion of the Ukraine, which was so important to provide wheat and other stocks around the world, will not produce anything this year because those fields are lying fallow. They're full of landmines. There's no manpower to do the agriculture. So we're going to see a deprivation in terms of foodstuffs that may last for several years. You know, and we, we've looked at the war crimes that are being committed and for Putin to be held responsible for that. In general, a country or a leader needs to be vanquished. If there is a negotiated peace, then those war crimes will often tend to be dismissed. So if there is a negotiated peace here, how do you see Putin standing in the global community shaking out? Well, I think Mr. Putin for the rest of his life is going to be a global pariah. I mean, he was counting on this war being over quickly, and there might be a temporary storm, but he, he and Russia would recoup that pretty, pretty fast, and, and that has not happened. I don't expect that to happen any time in the future. And it's going to make for a very difficult proposition in terms of, frankly, a new emerging international security environment. And I think really what we're seeing is the, is the end of the, uh, of the international security uh, architecture that we, that we had at the end of the Cold War in terms of structure, and we're going to have to create a whole new structure to accommodate. Because as long as Mr. Putin is in power, Russia as a state and he as an individual are going to remain isolated. Colonel, we really appreciate your expertise and your willingness to put up with those back-to-back days. Thank you so much for the information. My pleasure. You got yeah. it. That's Colonel Jeff McCausland. He is CBS Radio's national security consultant. His book is called Battle Tested, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you obviously can find it anywhere. I think it's by Simon & Schuster. We'll come back and keep things rolling. You're listening to Amy Marks, course, Chris Ronji, Kevin Wheeler here on the show. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The pitch by Ueno. Albert is hit high and deep. A home run for Harrison Bader. Got it. First inning for Goldie. This is the Redbirds Report. All right, time for our Redbird Report. Cardinals getting underway tonight. New series taking on the Rays. They're called the Tampa Rays, but they play in St. Petersburg. Um, because I guess it's a little easier to say Tampa than St. Petersburg Rays. Oh, yeah. And they're not actually in the Bay. So you can't call them Tampa I, Bay. I've always Rays. wondered why that that like that became that way for the for the football teams, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers. I don't they don't call them the Tampa Bay Rays. It's the Tampa Rays. Yeah. Whatever. Well, Tampa Bay Rays, Rays doesn't flow. It's too it's too too many A's. Tampa A's Bay back. Rays. It, yeah, it's too yeah, it's too much. Oh actually, Bay no, Rays. no, 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 actually I'm wrong. I'm looking at it on the website. It says Tampa Bay Rays. So ah, see, well I am wrong. Never mind. Either way, they play in St. Petersburg, but they play the Cardinals tonight. Dakota Hudson's gonna start for the Cardinals. Uh looks like the Rays the Rays are going with, with Jeffrey Springs. It's not really quote unquote a, a technical opener, but it's kinda like an extended opener. He'll probably go a few innings. Um but an interesting matchup with these two teams, and obviously what we're waiting on now is to get some updates on health, right? We talked about Jack Flaherty yesterday, and he threw 30 pitches the other day, struck out three, got nine outs on 30 pitches, and now we're waiting to see what's up with uh, Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. And what I'll be interested to see, Ronj, is what happens with the lineup when those guys are back. I mean, you've got kids occupying spots now. Donovan's been playing right field pretty regularly now that Nolan Gorman's up and Edmonds playing shortstop. Um, you've had Juan Yepes getting a good bit of time in the outfield. And I wonder who goes when they come back. I mean, is it goodbye to Corey Dickerson? I would assume that Lars Nootbaar is probably going back down because he's not playing very much. Maybe interesting. It, it's what they call the, you know, the old uh, cliche, Kevin. It's a good problem to have because it's a team that right now, even with some of the absences with O'Neill's absence, is a top five in baseball offense. And I know we've talked about this before where there might be a, it looks good runs per game, Overall, but there are some games where there's nothing. It's you know, been, you're gonna it's get been erratic. Yeah, yeah, there's you're gonna get some nine, ten run games, and then some others where you score like one or two. But overall, it's a team that is scoring a lot of runs, and there are only four other teams in baseball that have been better at it: uh, the Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Mets. So at least they are in good position offensively. But the thing that really is going to help them out is getting healthier in the rotation. They'll be in great shape if they could stay that way uh, for the majority of the rest of the year. You know, the, it's fa- watching a team play over the course of time is fascinating because 
you know, there are various periods of time where you're like, again, you look at the overall stats and you're like, wow, that's a really good offensive team. Yeah. And then you say, well, how do you, do you then have a record that was at, at, for a while was less than what you want? I think right now you're you're basically on the kind of pace that you would I think we would have all anticipated. Right. I mean, they've won seven of the last 10. And, you know, when you look at um, kind of wh- where they are, they're a half game out. So, this, I mean, the Cardinals could be in first place tonight. If they win and the and the Brewers lose, they could be in first place tonight. And I would say that with all of what's gone on, mm-hmm. to be on a 94-win pace right now, which is what they're on today, they're on a pace for 94 wins, I'd say that's not bad when you haven't had a single inning from Jack Flaherty, when you didn't get anything at all really from Tyler O'Neill before he got hurt, and then since then he's been hurt. Uh, you know, you've, you've not exactly had a smooth go of it. You've lost, you know, you lost Steven Matz to the injured list. You've had all kinds of issues with, you know, some of your starters not getting deep enough into games and it's wearing on the pen and you've got kids doing the job on offense and it's not been exactly as it's not been the team you hoped it would be when you mm-hmm. started spring training yet. You're still on a 94 win pace. Uh, how many years now has it been with Jack Flaherty kind of struggling with some injuries? Uh, going on three, three now. I was yeah. Say right? three. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the last two where the shoulder mm-hmm. has been a, a bit a bit of an issue and yeah it's it's not so yeah for a pitcher when you have several years strung together like this how hard is it to come back and I I'll, I'll throw this out there it's, it's hockey but Vladimir Tarasenko I mean there were a yeah. lot of yep. questions with him with his shoulders yep. were honest to goodness Took I thought multiple times man I think he now might according be done. to him and it turns out he may have been right. But he's saying that there was something wrong with those previous surgeries, no, right? Because no, yes. they had to do it again. So that some of it, but it's it's a good point. And shoulders are really tricky, really tricky. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's hockey, football, baseball, whatever. It's although it's worst for pitchers because everything happens there. Yeah. I mean, that's the in part where the, where you know your damage right. is going to be done, even if you this, are okay. I don't know if this is a bigger deal or a less deal, less of a big deal. But you look at a guy like Robbie Fabry, young, so much talent, blows out his knee, blows out his knee again. I think he did it a third time. And you're starting to think this might be the trajectory that he'll never get out of this, this rut that he's in of injuries. Yeah. And obviously Tarasenko, look at him. He excelled. So with Flaherty, is it okay, man, as a, as a young pitcher, he's got a few more years to try to get oh, yeah. out of this. Yeah, He's got time. So let, let's look at it this way, but it's fair to be concerned about it. Always. Yeah. I mean, I, you can be concerned about any pitcher in terms of injury because it's, you know, it, it seems to happen to most of them, if not all of them at some point in their careers. But it is it is okay to look at Flaherty and realize that it's been weird. COVID happened, and then you know it's it's difficult to ask a person to then try to build up and throw a bunch of innings the following year, which you can't do because you're coming off of injury. That does happen, but it's still you can say he's got plenty of time, which he does. Yeah, he's twenty to put together a good career. Twenty six years old, he's got time to put together a nice career, but. You'd also be right to, at least in the back of your mind, be conscious of the fact that maybe this is just kind of what's going to happen to yeah. him. And I hope not. And, and certainly for their sake, I hope not. But And for his, uh, probably especially for him, because he was so promising and is so promising when we get to see him pitch. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the best pitcher on the team when he's healthy. Yep. And the, the key part there is the when he's healthy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, 2019 he was. 2020 was... A shortened season, but it was even shorter for him. They took real care of him, and then there was some minor injury. And then, of course, last year missed half the season. This year looks like he's on track to miss almost half the season because even if he comes back in two or three weeks, that's still almost half the season by the time we get to that. Um, And he's a free agent in two years. 
You know, he's got he's got uh, I believe he's a free agent in 2024. So less really less than two years. So there's not that much time for him to do it. But, you know, this similar stuff, it wasn't a shoulder. It was injuries, though, that, you know, made it look like Adam Wainwright was finished there when, you know, we talked to him about it. He told us, I mean, I quit. You know, that's how bad it was. And he did that literally a decade older than what Flaherty is right now. He came back from it and turned it around. So it, it that that's more unlikely than Flaherty just being Flaherty again. But it's always, always scary when you're dealing with anything at or around the shoulder. How does this make you view, and I just like injuries in general, and one, I have so much respect for Adam Wainwright and how he's been able to have that durability to continue as long as he had and to be good at what he's doing. But what was that statistic, Wheels, that you threw out yesterday about Bob Gibson? Oh, my God. I tweeted this yesterday. Did you see this? So I got, and I'm going to have to find it because, oh, look at that. It's right at the top of uh, my replies because everybody likes this one. So Super 70 Sports tweeted out the other day, uh, Bob Gibson's June-July stats. So two months of stats from 1968. 12 starts, 12 complete games, 12 (laughs) wins, eight shutouts, six runs allowed. Six runs. And then the the, the tag they put on there was zero worries about his pitch count, Uh which was, was true. But like. That's so amazing. And then you, you I mean, it's just obviously they were trained differently. You know, that they, they were taught to throw a lot and to throw longer and to throw more pitches and not throw with as much effort. And they also but, didn't grow up playing all year long either. Oh, I don't know. I mean, but in a different way, though, like, I don't know. So my brother, when he was younger, I think maybe 11, he had a kid on his team, also 11, who quit baseball because he was burned out at 11 because he had 86 games well, or something over the yeah, summer. Yeah, see, there are a lot, and, and you know this, Kevin, uh, there are a lot of older players, guys who are retired, who talk about that thing. Like when they were growing up, you know, we played three, four months of the year. We didn't play nine months out of the year or 12 months out of the year. And it's good for you to go play other stuff. Mm-hmm. Play baseball for three months. Go play basketball well, for three months. Do I, you, other things. It's better for you as an athlete. You're not wrong about that. That is absolutely true. And, and, it, and you don't put the they, miles on your what, arm. It's not what they do in the Dominican. It's not what they do in Cuba. That, and they, they don't seem to have any more injuries than anybody else. They just play baseball year-round. All year-round, every year. Pierre Turgeon played in the Little League World Series, and they won when he was a kid. I've just seen hockey players playing baseball. Oh, my God. Did, did, did I miss a, no, I miss a connection you there? You didn't miss anything. I was thinking of athletes <laughs> playing other sports. Yeah, they should. I mean, you really should play as many Chris as Drury. you can. Yeah. Robert Bortuzzo. Okay. okay. We're Carter dropping Hutton. names. That's Chris Ronji dropping names. Amy Marks, of course, dropping names. I'm Kevin Wheeler saying we got to take a quick break here on the show. Chris Ronji, Amy Marks, of course, Kevin Wheeler with you here on the show on KMOX. Okay. Who, who picked the music topic? Was that you, Amy? Or was that Ronch? I think it was the our music? illustrious producer, no, Dave. I, oh, Dave had this so topic. Yeah, this I'm really sorry. Really interesting, though. Good job, producer Dave. The University of Cambridge did a study of over 350,000 participants in 50 different countries. And what they found was there are patterns between music and personality, meaning certain personalities like certain types of music. Hmm. And it doesn't matter where you are. These patterns of certain personalities liking certain types of music are replicated across the globe. I'll give you a couple of examples. Ed Sheeran's song Shivers, 
that song appears appeals to extroverts, while, quote, neurotic types are likely to be in Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Agreeable people like Marvin Gaye's What's Going On or Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's Shallow. And also, uh, if you are a conscientious individual... You are unlikely to enjoy Rage Against the Machine. Uh, if you are a what? A conscientious individual. That is interesting. So personalities, it says you can be de- divided by geography, you can be divided by language, and by culture. But introverts or extroverts or neurotic people tend to like the same types of music across the globe. So is the effect coming from the lyrics or the way the music sounds or all of it? Probably a little bit of all of it. And okay. I would say probably a lot of the the way the music sounds because I'm assuming that not everybody was speaking English when you're talking about Smells Like Teen Spirit. No, a lot of people are around the world are bilingual they and are. learn English. No, and they, I mean, they we are. don't learn I don't anything else. I mean, I, I will speak to this, though. Like, very rarely do, do are the lyrics the selling point to me. You no, know, it starts with the, it's, how does it sound? Incl- it's entirely it's, the sound. And yeah. now, now I, I do end up appreciating good lyrics. Oh yeah, yes. there's a song that I like. But, I mean, I won't be like, wow, that's a brilliant set of lyrics. And, and if I hate the song, I hate the song. To me, it's the same idea as being attracted to a person. You're, you're, you see them first most of the time. I mean, sometimes you might meet somebody. I don't know. You're a pen pal. Why somebody in jail. A I don't pen know. Pal in Whatever jail. it is. But... <laughs> You don't know what they look like. You just just know they're in jail. This has totally not happened to me. Like, I've never had a pen pal in jail that I've uh, started a relationship with after she got out. That never happened. But, you know, maybe it's usually it's a thing where you see somebody and they appeal to you in a Mm -hmm. way. Then you get to know them and the way they speak and the, the thoughts they have and the kind of person they are. I think that's the same as hearing the music and then hearing the lyrics later. Yeah. So I, I can't do like heavy, intense music, like heavy metal, or is it EDM that's like yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. really dance music. loud and yeah. intense? And it's funny because I go on road trips and one of my friends uh, that we I do the road trips with, she likes EDM. And it's I'm a pretty easygoing person, but when it comes to, she likes Nine Inch Nails, that, and then also EDM music and, and heavier stuff. So industrial. And- I don't know. All I know is I, I have to put my foot down. I am generally anti-confrontational, and I say I cannot do it. I... You, this is an absolute no-go for me. So what they found is... Did con- they decide who likes heavy metal? Yes. Conscientious individuals, people who favor order and obedience, uh, do not like aggressive, rebellious themes or music. That tracks. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which is kind of like me because I'm, I'm like certainly so not orderly. conscientious. Where uh, I'm trying to find the... The correlation. Let me find your your angry uh, demeanor. And, yeah, who? And the, what, what are the Slipknot people all about? I know. All right, I'm finding. We're about up with people. Up with people. There's a joke. What is that? What is up with people? It was well, a Super Bowl know. halftime show. That's one of the most hilarious and terrible things ever to happen with me. I have no. I have no idea what you're talking no about. You Google it. I can't up believe you guys people? don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you, Ron. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, I don't know what this is. Totally disappointed in you. I'm so sorry. It seems like people who are neurotic, I think that's what it's saying, <laughs> like heavy, intense music. That's I'll, interesting. That's weird because about, I'm totally not that. Like that is, I mean, that is definitely not me. Yeah. I think you get most of your rage out just by listening to certain music. Like, I think you can, I think it's a release for you. Slipknot is a release for you. It's that's also what it amazing. says. It says they're still studying whether it's a release of anxiety or stress. 
So I'll have to look into the actual. But I'm neither a stressed or an nor an anxious person. Like that is just no, anybody but that you are knows intense. me. I am intense. Yes. Which and I is like not and bad. like I can't listen. He's a to, real circus. Like I can't listen to any music that is chill. <laughs> like I can't do it. Really? Like nothing? Oh, really? Nothing no. mellow at all? Oh my all. gosh, no. is this why you hate Michael Bolton? That is Bolton? really fascinating. Why, why do I hate Michael Bolton? Because he's Because he's chill. terrible. Oh. He's amazing. Speaking of Michael Bolton, I uh, told you I was going to tell you a story about... Uh, that is probably Bolton. why, by the way. Somebody that we all know here, <laughs> Matt Pajeski, who is one of the young Love producers Matt. at KMOX. He's really, really good. We were doing a show, Amy and I, months ago mm-hmm. at night, and I don't know, like... During the break, Amy, we're, you know, we're, we're we're just sitting here, and Amy out of nowhere says, "You know what, Michael Bolton, really, really good, really, so really good. talented," and Pajeski, just like if he were as as it. if as if this conversation was happening, and it was like carrying on. He goes, "Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for saying that." <laughs> like it was like it had been on his mind that these two love Michael Bolton so much. They've been thinking about it all day, and nobody agrees with them. It's it's so odd to me that you guys had Michael Bolton on your minds. When you you know I hadn't listened to Michael Bolton since I probably had gone to the doctor because <laughs> that's when you hear Michael Bolton is in the waiting room, and he is so or in the elevator yeah. or in the elevator. He is so good. His range is incredible. He's really good. Speaking of Michael Bolton, um, in the movie Office Space, tell me how am I oh, supposed? God. I learned earlier today, uh, producer Dave, that these two have never seen Office Space. And Michael Bolton does play a bit of a role in that film. That's sacrilege. Office Space is a great movie. How have you not seen it? I can't believe we're talking about Michael Bolton. He's steaming. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm stunned. Why do I like heavy metal? I'm just stunned. It's because he's disobedient. I am. And I don't like authority. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.